Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. death what is my purpose in life is God real and if he is real and if he is powerful then why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people right like so this whole journal was filled with these type of questions and and it shocked me because and, and I think at first it was discouraging because it broke my heart to think man those are the questions my generation is asking but where I was encouraged friends is that our generation is asking Man, why am I here? What is my purpose? Who is God? And the, the sad thing is, those were questions that they didn't think there was an answer to. Well, thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and if you've been following recent trends on the beliefs of members of Gen Z, those who are currently teenagers to about 25 years of age, You've noticed that the worldview, by and large, is different than previous generations. They are more likely to question the Bible and Christian teaching. They're more likely to identify as LGBT. They tend to be more politically progressive. As those who see the Bible as authoritative, we're concerned about these trends. How can we engage this younger generation in a winsome way? Gabe, I love how you and the team at Q are seeking not just to engage topics, but to engage in important conversations with Gen Z. That's what we're seeking today on Q Ideas. We try to bring you some of the best talks, conversations, and learning that's taking place in our spaces, but we want all of you to enjoy it and appreciate it. And today is one of those talks that I want to invite you, if you have teenagers in your house, maybe middle school, maybe college students, um, to listen to this one, to share it with them, to make this part of that family text thread, because I think you're going to be encouraged today to hear from Gabby Odom. Now, Gabrielle Odom is someone who's young. She's somebody who is a teenager herself and who came and delivered a talk at one of our environments designed specifically for college students called A Firm Foundation. And this was about scripture. It was about the Bible. It was about how in every generation, we must understand that the truth can only be found in God's Word. And that is such a foundation for us at Q Ideas. We talk about a lot of topics. We're going to delve into every imaginable issue that we can, because we think no topics off limits, that Christians should be informed, smart, engaged, bringing life and good conversation to any topic that's happening in our society. But don't be remiss. The foundations for what we believe are in Scripture. Yes, Scripture. Seeing it as relevant and authoritative. That is a conversation very much a part of what many younger Americans are wrestling with now. We'll get to Gabrielle's talk in a few minutes, but since you brought up the topic of Scripture, let's take a few moments to highlight a long conversation that was part of the Next Gen Summit that Q hosted a few months back that was for younger Christians, teens and early 20-year-olds. And that topic of Scripture and orthodoxy was key. To help us with that was Portland Pastor John Mark Comer. Now let's listen to just a snippet of that conversation here on Q Ideas. 
and kind of deconstruction. I, I, mm. I feel like I personally have never heard the word deconstruction as much as I have in the last year. Yeah. Um, I like. It was like even... a vague academic word yes, from it was. Derrida, a French philosopher that nobody was aware of, and now it's like a cliche. It's and yeah. it, it comes off from my experience almost like it's a. You're you're a biblical Christian. You can grow in your faith and read, and then it, it's like deconstruction is like the next step of uh, elevating your your thinking. Um, is sometimes what it comes yes. off as is what deconstruction. You're more is. enlightened. Yes, enlightened would be yeah, a great word for it. Yeah, dynamics, which is like it's a book that's basically the Bible for progressive Christians and deconstructionists. Yeah, yeah. that's the idea is that we've evolved. Well, think about the word progressive. The worldview built into that word is that there's a. I just read a great Orthodox, uh, like capital or Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox writer who talked about evolutionary optimism was his language for progressivism. It's this idea that human history is on this evolutionary arc and the progressives are the one that are ahead on that arc, right side of history of yeah. the language, therefore more enlightened than everybody else. And the assumption is that everybody else will catch up to yeah. you if you're progressive. Yeah. The problem is like, that's not true. And so, um, so that's why progressives in a city like Portland cannot make sense of politics in America right now. They, so the only lens they have for it is, well, this must just be bigotry, or this must be, they have no lens, they can't, because that doesn't fit their paradigm. So it is very much a pretentious, I think very self-righteous and ignorant view that basically says we're more enlightened than everybody else. Yeah. Which is why people that aren't progressives, in particular poor people in America, um, feel like judged, shamed, and they respond really badly mm. because nobody likes to be treated with contempt. Yeah, yeah. When I went to Portland, if I'm being honest, it was, I could, I felt like a lot of people had been through a lot um, yeah. in Portland and I felt like just with the riots, the tension, COVID, yeah, it was just traumatic. difficult. Yeah. Guys like you and John Tyson, who's in New York, and Dave Lomas, who's in San Francisco, mm -hmm. you're in difficult cities to be bold in your faith, yeah. um, especially have orthodox, conservative, deep faith. Uh, why have y'all chosen to do that? It's a place where I'm sure you get ridiculed often or just difficult to live that, because there's a lot of these guys that are in these areas or these industries that it's yeah. just, it's hard. Hostile. I'd love for you to speak to yeah. them on like, why have you chosen that? Why do you believe the next generation um, should fight for orthodoxy? I don't want to sound cliche, but I've chosen it because I've chosen Jesus. And I find him more captivating than anyone or anything else on offer. You have to live from a worldview. Everybody's living from metaphysic, you know, uh, whether it's a secular ideology on the right or the left, those are an attempt to replace religion. You have to have a worldview to live into. But mm. Human beings cannot live without meaning and purpose. So even in my darkest moments, and I have a robust faith, but I just, Peter's refrain is in my mind, to who else would we go? You alone have the That's words good. of eternal life. So the reason I'm not a progressive Christian is, well, first off, anytime you put an adjective in front of the word Christian, I'm out. And um, because at that point, you have perverted what it actually is. And so I'm not a progressive Christian for the same reason I'm not a conservative Christian in what that word has come to mean mm -hmm. in the last five years. Because both of those are compromising complicity with what Jesus called the world. Yeah. And there's a right version of the world and there's a left version of the world. The left tends to be more atheistic. The right um, tends to use the language of God to cover up their anti-God ideas and ideology. And... Um, 
I'm just not. So one, I, I don't think that's actually the real true Jesus. And the real true Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the New Testament, in the best of the Christian tradition, which we have 2,000 years. And if you don't know church history, oh my gosh, you guys have to learn it. It will both humble you and it will captivate you. Read a book like um, Water from a Deep Well by Gerald Sitzer, and you, you will you just understand that we're rooted in something ancient, that the cultural stuff we're living through, some of it's new, most of it's been around lots. It just has different language and faces right now. Culture will do what it does. It will go back and forth. It will go left. It will go right. There's going to be a massive backlash to the left in a couple of years, I would imagine. We're rooted in something so ancient and beautiful and true. And just at a very pragmatic, like, well, at, a, at an aesthetic level, I live, <laughs> this is like my off-the-cuff edited comment, unedited comment. I feel like the best case against progressivism is progressive cities. If you go to Portland or Brooklyn or San Francisco or L.A., and if you put away your Instagram filter and you look past coffee and food, because we have the best coffee and food of anybody. Like, we know how to do street art, coffee, and food, and fashion. But if you, if you go past that and you actually look at the soul of a city, first off, if you look at the economic disparity, there's a thin band of, like, cool millennial people who made it. Uh-huh and who make a bunch of money and can buy a $7 coffee and Instagram it on their $1,000 phone. And if you look below that, it's mostly like very depressed, lonely, poor people. And the level of mental illness, the level of loneliness, the level of depression, you know, the level of heartache, the relational breakup, the, the fallout of the sex revolution... Uh, when you have front row seats to watch it, it is not bright and shiny. It's not romantic. It's not cool. So I've been thinking about, you know, why is Nashville such like a hotbed for deconstructionism? Which is so weird, like driving around. I know this is like liberal for the South. This is not liberal. This is not, this is not even close. And I, like I'm shocked. It's like nobody's wearing masks. I've seen one pride flag in four days. I'm like, I don't even have a category for that. I haven't seen any ideology anywhere. I don't know where the poor people are. Like, I don't see any of it. This is not a liberal city. And um, maybe liberal for the South, but not. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it, gets, it goes way down the path. <laughs> and here's, this is my theory, and try this on, Grant. I've tried this on three Nashville smart people in the last couple oh, of man. days, and they've all, they've all said yes. So I don't know if that makes it true. My theory is this. In this cultural context, you have enough of the worst of kind of um, southern alt-right Christianity that is a massive turnoff, in particular for young people, whether it's white nationalism or whatever. Then you have, um, you have the arts here. So you have art- artistic people tend to be more open-minded, creative. They don't like rules. They don't like boxes, which is part of the gift they bring to the world and part of the temptation. That's, it's God's gift through them, and it's the enemy's temptation to them because life without constraints is anarchy and lies and confusion. So there's enough people in the arts and exposed to secular culture and they just don't like the kind of restricting nature of call it orthodoxy or whatever. And then there's, an, there's still enough cultural Christianity here that people can b- view progressivism as this nice shiny thing where you can yeah. kind of sleep with whoever you want to sleep with and just be nice to people that have different sexual orientations and just not be judgmental and get along. It has this veneer, which isn't real, but it has this good, it has really good PR. Mm-hmm. And there's enough cultural Christianity here that people think there's a future there. And I'm just, I'm living in it. And let me tell you, it's, it's not beautiful up close. 
There's some good things about it, you know, but it's not beautiful up close, and there's no future there. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lines, and again, that was just a portion of a larger conversation during the recent Next Gen Summit hosted by Q. That conversation around orthodoxy and progressivism featuring Portland pastor and author John Mark Comer and all the other important conversations for Gen Zers can be found at the Q Media platform. If you're not a subscriber, request a free trial subscription at qideas.org slash trial. Gabe, as we continue this week's show and talking about helping the younger generations have a firm foundation in scripture, let's get to that talk we teased at the start from last spring's Culture Summit featuring Gabrielle Odom. And what I loved about this talk by Gabrielle was how much she emphasizes the role of scripture in her life and in this next generation. She's part of Gen Z. You've probably heard that tagline before of Gen Z. It's typically anybody under the age of 24 right now fits into that category. So you're talking about our college students, high school students, even middle schoolers who are coming up in a new world that's very digital, access to all kinds of information, content, constant feeds of YouTube and TikTok and social media, and you, you name it, coming at them fast and furious. And they're trying to navigate this world and understand, who do I believe? Who can I trust? Do I listen to the latest celebrity influencer and their opinion? Do I listen to the person I follow on this social media channel? Or where does the Word of God fit into this? And I think Gabby does a great job of helping remind us all of how critical the role of Scripture is in our lives and in our perspective. So let's listen in now. Man, it is such a gift to be with y'all. As Gabe said, I'll just say it again. My name is Gabrielle Odom, and it is such an honor to be with y'all. And I just want to start by saying that I love y'all, and and I'm a young person like so many of y'all. And man, 2020 was crazy, right? And it just felt like from the right to the left, like everyone was spiraling, going out of control. There was chaos everywhere. And so as a young person, man, and I'm often seeking the Lord, asking God, what does it look like to follow you faithfully in a time like this? Like, what does it look like, God, to be faithful right where I'm at? And so I just want to encourage y'all and challenge y'all with something so simple and so true. I want to take us back to the to the basics and clarify, man, our, our aim and our direction that we ought to be seeking. And so the word I have to share with y'all today is, is something I believe that is so timely like we need it right now and yet it is so timeless in that this has always remained true it will always remain true and so what I have to share with y'all today is really just the importance of the word of God why the word of God matters and so man I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ that the word of God ought to reserve a seat in our lives as a supreme authority like above all absolute truth that it is divine in its authority, that it is inerrant. The reason why I believe this matters, y'all, is that, man, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells me that the word of God has been breathed out by the Holy Spirit himself. So this word, y'all, it is useful for correcting, for, for teaching, for training in righteousness. And when I spend time in the word of God, y'all, like the pursuit is righteousness. And so the word of God matters because scriptures like he Hebrews 4.12, where we learn that 
the word of God is alive and active, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that the word of God has the power to divide the spirit and the soul, to discern the heart and the intentions and the thoughts of mankind. And so the word of God does not return void. It is powerful, y'all. And I I wanna remind us of this because I think we are a generation that has gotten caught up in a lot of relativity. We've gotten caught up in a lot of fluff, a lot of soft doctrine, a lot of really not sound doctrine. And it terrifies me, guys, because I wanna fear God. Like I want us to be a generation that would actually love God and fear God. And so if we actually believe, guys, Like if I actually believe that we serve a holy, holy, holy God, that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he is just, then the word of God ought to be our only authority, our supreme authority for truth. And so I wanna be very clear that it's not like, hey, love God, fear God, and submit to his word. Like this all has to flow together. If I love God, if I fear God, then I will submit to his word because he is the word, right? Like John 1 says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And so I am begging for us to be a generation that would submit to the word of God above our feelings, above our idols, that we would throw off any ounce of relativity and cling to the one source that is true because I see a generation that is without direction and the direction they are heading is not according to Christ. And so as Colossians 2, 8 would implore us to not be taken captive by any philosophy, any human deceit that is not according to Christ. And so I don't want us to be a generation that is tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And because two years ago, I was a junior in high school and my best friend at the time, she was in an English class and she had a teacher that proposed an assignment. They were supposed to, oh, also context. We live in Minnesota, public school, just necessary context. Um, But she had an English teacher who gave her this assignment to that they wanted to brainstorm questions in their class that they didn't believe there was an answer to. And so my friend, she took took a blank journal and she passed it around the classroom to every single student in the class and had them fill out one question that they had that they didn't believe there was an answer to. And we were shocked at the responses, y'all. She got back this blank journal that was now filled with these questions our classmates were asking. And they were filled with questions like, why am I here? What is life after death? What is my purpose in life? Is God real? And if he is real and if he is powerful, then why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people, right? Like, so this whole journal was filled with these type of questions. And and it shocked me because, and, and I think at first it was discouraging because it broke my heart to think, man, those are the questions my generation is asking. But where I was encouraged, friends, is that our generation is asking, man, why am I here? What is my purpose? Who is God? And the sad thing is, those were questions that they didn't think there was an answer to. And it excites me because y'all, we have the answers. We know where truth is. We know why we are here. We know who God is. We know what life after death is. We know that we serve a good and a powerful God. And so the questions that our generation is asking, like where did life begin? 
We have those answers in the word of God. And so might we be a people that delivers this, that we would deliver truth over our retweetable quotes, over all the flashy things, because I'm a part of a generation, you're a part of a generation where statistics say that only 4% of us have a biblical worldview, which means that 96% of us don't know truth. 96% of us don't have direction. 96% of us don't know who God is. We don't have authority. And so, man, I want us to be a generation that would come back to the authority of God's word because a biblical worldview changes everything, guys. Like if this Bible becomes the authority and the lens in which I see life, then that changes the way I view my womanhood, that changes the way I vote, that changes the way I define marriage, that changes the way I see sin, that changes the way I see leadership. So it literally changes everything, y'all. And we have the answers. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the way, the truth, and the life is found in Jesus. And we have access to Jesus by the power of the gospel. And y'all, we need to know the word in order to be doers of the word. And so friends, I just want to close by saying that this really matters. Our generation is spiraling. Our generation is without hope. Our generation is depressed and anxious and suicidal. Our generation is scared. Our generation doesn't have a lot of authority. And so, man, might we be a generation that would come back to the simple truths of God word, God's word, that we would reserve a seat for the word of God to be supreme authority in our lives, that we would submit and yield to this alone. Because, man, I was, I was just reading in, in 2 Kings 22 and 23, right? And the, the Israelites at that time, they were doing what was right in their own eyes. They were living in lawlessness. And, and King Josiah in 2 Kings 22, upon hearing the word of the Lord, Upon hearing the word of God, he repented in fear of the Lord. He sought to bring reformation among the Israelites and he restored the word of God in the land of the people. And that is what I am believing and begging of this generation, that upon hearing the word of the Lord, that we would repent before a holy God, that we would love God and that out of that repentance and fear for the Lord, that we would bring reformation to a lost and dying world and restore the authority of the word of God in the land of the people. And so that is what I am believing for us. And man, I just think everything would change if we would yield to the one authority that is the word of God and allow it to change every inch of our lives. I hope you enjoyed that. Again, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. And Gabe, for those who have been concerned about the trends among the emerging Generation Z, Gabrielle offers a loud note of hope. And we just love her being a part, not only of this particular gathering, but so many of our experiences where we're seeing the next generation rise up right now. It's been so encouraging to our entire team over the last couple of years. We've gotten more intentional about what does it mean to gather these leaders to help make sure they're taking advantage of all the learning, the lessons, the leaders, the mentors that have been around this Q idea space for the last 20 years. How can we bring the full force of that into their lives at an early age so they benefit even more than we could 
because there's a lot that we've learned and we can pass that along. And so that's been our goal and our hope. And that's happening on a consistent basis throughout Q Idea Spaces. And talking about some of these Q spaces, we are looking forward to many of you joining us either live in Nashville or virtually, maybe at your church, for another great time of being curious, thinking well, so we can advance good. Gabe, remind our friends about this year's Culture Summit. Our Culture Summit, April 28th and 29th, is coming up. It's going to be like no other. And I know we say that every year, but it's because every year is completely different. We're talking about topics and issues that are facing us in 2022, that leaders are having a hard time getting good information on, knowing how to think well about it, making sure they know they can trust what they're hearing. And we do our best to curate an incredible, not only experience, but a body of work and people and experts and thought leaders and people who are practically living this out to come together to help you, to engage you. And so we have room for a few hundred more people to be with us in Nashville. But the majority of you are going to be watching virtually or gathering people in your church or gathering them in your workspace or at your home to enjoy listening to these conversations and and having your own conversations about what does this mean for us. The theme this year is going to be called Signs of Life. You're going to see that roll out on our website this coming week. And we want to talk about and draw attention to all of the life that's happening. A lot of attention has gone to a lot of despair, a lot of death, a lot of the chaos, confusion, a lot of what the world's been walking through and is walking through every day. But we believe in the midst of that, there's hope breaking through, that God's at work, that there's amazing miracles still taking place that many times don't get the kind of attention they need. And at this particular event, not only are we going to deal with the tough issues and like we always do, delve into the ones that are confusing and try to know how to navigate them, but we're always going to be asking the question, where's the sign of life in this? What is the opportunity? Where is God potentially trying to break through in this conversation, in this subject, in this topic. And so we're excited and challenged by doing that and also excited for you in all of your communities who we know are tired. We know are trying to navigate a lot of difficult conversations and complexities that aren't always easily solved or settled, but we're going to create space for those conversations. We're going to partner with you wherever you're at to create space, to learn together, to listen, uh, to be heard, and to navigate what it looks like to be faithful in this cultural moment. Yeah, so go to qideas.org slash 2022 to learn more and get registered for this year's Culture Summit. Again, April 28th and 29th. That's qideas.org slash 2022. Thanks again for listening to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot, and hope you join us again next week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.